Hey guys, if you have an interest in developing games, consider joining the WU Game Developers Club. We don't have any more meetings this semester, but we should be back this fall and we'll be meeting every week. It's a great, open, friendly environment. You don't have to have any prior development experience. Take it from me. When I joined, I had no game development experience, and now I've put out nearly three games. If you're interested, go to gamedevclub.orgs.wvu.edu to learn more. Hey everyone, and welcome to Game Talk Episode 9. I'm your host, Amon Mion. This week I'm joined by Ken Wu. Hello. Jordan Hallow. Hey, Game Talkers. And Connor Haynes. Hey, guys. This week we're going to start off talking about Vivendi's hostile takeover of Ubisoft. So, just kind of a primer for those who don't know um, Ubisoft is one of the biggest third party publishers um, and game developers in the gaming industry. They have branches all over the all over the world actually in Europe and America. And Vivendi is um purchasing shares of the company um in an unwelcome fashion. So they're they're conducting a hostile takeover of the company in which they hope to install board members and control company actions from an executive level, most likely oust the current um administration and sort of shape the company to their will, against their will, which is um, an interesting discussion we're going to get into right now. I th- Just to kick things off, the most interesting thing to me is that Vivendi is not a gaming company, right? They're a, fl- they're a French conglomerate, but uh, I think they see the success of Ubisoft and the growth of the games industry, and they just kind of want a slice of the pie. And slowly but surely, I think they're over 25 they own over 25 percent of the company right now so that's a very substantial amount and um they're speeding up acquisition of shares so a hostile takeover of the company is sort of inevitable at this point it's just a question of when um i just kind of want to get your guys thoughts on that if this is right wrong and what should ubisoft do and what can they do jordan you want to go first our hostile takeovers ever right (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think that's something. It's a business well, thing, now you're right? Asking if capitalism is right, and that's a <laughs> it's that's a little a bit, little bit out of the scope of this podcast, I, I think. Mean, but I mean, I certainly feel bad for the CEO of Ubisoft and his brother that kind of run the company and sort of brought the company up to where it is. You know, they 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 spent their lives building it, and now it's about to be taken away from them. Reminds me of um, Rare. I think they were in a similar situation. Microsoft bought fifty one percent of their shares, and then that's how they became affiliated with Microsoft versus mm-hmm. Nintendo. They had no control over that or choice. <coughs> yeah. So that's the same kind of thing. Yeah. As far as the gaming industry has seen, I think. Um, Ubisoft, the first nine months of 2016, had 811.3 million euros in sales. They've been doing really well. They've had record back catalog sales, accounting so, for 57% of their total sales. So their old so stuff is selling more than their new stuff. Ubisoft's doing quite well. Yes. Is the bottom line. Do you guys think they'll continue to do well if Vivendi takes over the company and sort of takes the steering wheel? Yes, because if Ubisoft has been able to be successful with the horrible things they've been doing for the past, like, 10 years, they're not going to stop being successful. All right, Connor's got a very strong viewpoint on this. I personally disagree with him. I mean, Ubisoft, Ubisoft makes engaging games, they make fun games, and they are dedicated to fan feedback. Like, when they released... Assassin's Creed Unity in the state it was in 
I mean, it was an but un- they did release. They, they, no, they did release it, right? But they polish it to a point where it's now an excellent game. But like they've also been releasing the same Assassin's Creed game for like five years. Yeah, and then they and stopped over. when yeah. when people were complaining about that, and they're taking time to polish and work on this Assassin's Creed, and they'll release it when it's ready. And they're still making See, people use their horrible UPlay client, which I mean, Origin's one thing, but it's annoying to have two clients. But UPlay's a bad client. Like mm-hmm. it, it's I mean, I will agree with you there, but well. I, I do think Ubi- Ubisoft, I keep forgetting it's Ubisoft, not Ubisoft. Ubisoft is is a is a company that's not trying to screw over their fans slash buyers, unlike certain companies. I, I disagree, I think, because they, I mean, they did the season <clears throat> pass stuff just as much as EA did, and everybody hated EA for it. Mm-hmm. You know, they did all the same stuff. They crammed multiplayer into games it didn't make sense in. And then sold a bunch of DLC for it. Hey, know. I love the Assassin's Creed multiplayer. Do you? I actually do. <laughs> I right. like it a lot. Uh, but anyway, that's, we're kind of off topic. We're it, talking about it's, it's Vivendi's. It's hard for a lot of these bigger gaming companies to do favorable business practices that these smaller companies can do because they are they have an obligation to their shareholders to constantly increase the value of the company in sales and set these mm-hmm. new records. So doing questionable pricing models is just something that they have to do. I don't think there's not much freedom that they have like the indie developers do. Right. So that's something you have to consider as well. But getting back to, to Vivendi, I mean, Connor's response aside, a company with no prior experience making games is suddenly in charge of one of the biggest games companies in the world, you know? So what happens at that we, point? We don't know what they're going to do. They might keep them in as the CEO and... Are they CEO and CTO, the brothers, or do you know um, what exactly they control? Uh, Eve's Game On, I butcher the name, but um, he is he's the CEO of the company, and okay. I, and his brother's the head of a major division. I forget off the top of my head. Okay. <clears throat> um, they could keep them in. They don't have to replace them or anything. Like, but they have them having a majority in the board is going to put pressure on them to perform better if they're not performing well. But right. it sounds like they're already performing well. I don't see a major change in corporate structure at least the first year because they're going to be really evaluating how that company can be. I improved. mean, I, I mean, you're 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 a business major, so you know more about this than the rest of us. But to me, it like just the sort of silent. Buying shares without any remark, Ubisoft constantly saying that this isn't welcome, like we don't want this happening, like please stop, and then just silently buying more shares. That that seems very shady to me, right? Like, well, if the brothers are so successful as well, they could always leave and start another company. I, I mean, All that's right, asking Jordan. you to abandon your baby, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not that simple. I mean, it, it, is it not that simple? A lot of companies, a lot of um, I mean, they, they'd be leaving a lot of talent behind. Certainly, you know, yeah. they didn't I mean, build it alone. Isn't that what like some of the developers that made MW2 did? Like they, Modern Warfare 2? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They uh, they left to make some other company that made Titanfall. This has happened Is this Sledgehammer times in the industry. You referring to Sledgehammer? No, no. No, Titan. A different game? Uh, a different company? Uh, I can't think. Titanfall? I can't remember. Was it Isn't Titanfall Sledgehammer? I don't think so. Respawn. Respawn, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah Respawn okay. and you know EA keeps, you know, <clears throat> not being No, I mean it, it could certainly I could certainly see a lot of the talent leaving, and maybe if the brothers want to form a new company, for, forming a smaller like offshoot, they could do of that. that. Peter um, Molyneux, um, he found he was in charge of Lionhead. I think he founded that company that Microsoft ended up buying later. Mm-hmm. He left that company and created another one after that as well. Yeah, yeah. that went great for him. Um, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> there's others examples as well. I just his name is my head. Yeah, Peter Molyneux is not a the rare um, founders left and started another company. I'm pretty sure. 
as uh, well. Platonic. There's, Platonic. They're their Kickstarter yeah, for several, ukulele. Yeah. yeah. And I would argue that they're doing decently. They're doing all that, right, you know. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, I don't know. It's, it's a very much easier said is than it, done. Um, like, like the Metal Gear guy, doesn't he start the Hideo company Kojima. as well? Yeah. yeah. He'll um, do well. Yeah, no, he'll, he'll, he'll be absolutely yeah. fine. But There's it, a lot of examples of this, so I wouldn't say that it doesn't so, happen often. Okay, so it happens a lot. Let's 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 say hypothetically, like the talent is preserved. What does Ubisoft do at that point? Are they just releasing, you know, uh, cash in games? Like, uh, like, like, keep in mind, uh, they'll still like Ubisoft will still own Assassin's Creed and right. uh, Far Cry, right? Like, what happens to those beloved franchises? Rayman. Yeah, Rayman. Like, I mean, are they just going to make Let's put out three Assassin's Creed games a year, and they're all going to be crap. But let's just sell them. You know, like depends how well they sell. I mean, if this company has enough money rolling around to buy Ubisoft, I feel like they can't possibly be that stupid. Like, yeah, they've definitely no, they, done some research. They will certainly no. I or at least I talk I, to I, I agree with you. They're not going to be stupid about it. But I do think there will be a market change in these games going forward if they're not produced by the same you know creative force that they were being produced by same leadership and yeah, that thank you yeah um but um so yeah it, i'm interested to see how that'll impact sales and how fans of those series will react because i mean uh, think what you want of ubisoft they've got like assassin's creed far cry and now the division are some of the biggest games that are available I right think now they're very concerned with feedback as well like you know just after the rabbits <laughs> game started doing terribly they stopped for a bit Right. That same. I mean, yeah. The, like the rumors are bringing it back. Assassin's Creed founded, was the same way. They stopped, and yeah. it was it was an annual release like Call of Duty. Yeah. Watch Dogs Two has been lukewarm, and I apparently think it's really... a it's a great game. Yeah, it's just Watch the Dogs first 2, game the first didn't. Game yeah. People too much. Yeah. I hear Watch Dogs Two is good. Yeah. 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 I got a free copy that. and haven't played it yet. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Nice. With my graphics card, I haven't played yeah. it because the first one was so bad. I'm the worst. So I mean, I think they're a decent company. Yeah, Ubisoft certainly. But, you know... I'm just not... I, I mean, I, I think I'd feel better if Vivendi put out some sort of statement. You know, just anything. But then I feel like that's... They I feel like they, they can't, can't say that until it. they yeah. bought it. Otherwise, it's kind of like Ubisoft is just kind of like... It, it just makes a very uncomfortable environment, you know? And if they bring too much attention to it, there might be other buyers that try to come in and... Well, at this point, they own over up the price. They own over twenty five percent. Right. Yeah. If, so I feel like they're pretty committed. Someone could really, if they're really interested in getting a majority stake, someone could buy those st- shares they need for the majority and really charge them a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, it it is unfortunate that you, Ubisoft will, I mean, if if and when this happens, they will no longer have like sovereignty over themselves. You know. That's what happens. They'll when be you have public stock under someone's umbrella. I mean, that's the risk you take. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, that's that's I don't a know. really common problem in the games industry. I mean, being a developer <coughs> and going to a publisher, you're making that sacrifice. You don't have sovereignty over yourself. Right. It's, it's always it's in the media industry. In yeah, general. but developers Beatles, developers the go to publishers. Away their rights. Yeah. Right. I was just right. saying, developers go to publishers. Well, publishers Vivendi's, go to developers too. Vivendi's kind of like you know. I mean, developers don't always have a choice. They want to keep making games, and they can't do it for free. You have to have a publisher mm-hmm. sometimes. Especially yeah. for these bigger games, you know. I mean, some <clears throat> indies can get away with, you know, burning their life savings, but... I don't know. The nature of this takeover and just the response from the Guimont brothers and just Ubisoft's as a whole is has got me, like, kind of down on the subject. Like, I don't want them to buy U- Ubisoft, and I kind of want them to remain themselves, but that's the business world, I guess, you know. Yeah. Uh, any final thoughts on the takeover? 
sounds a lot more threatening than it probably is, you know? I think it could be exciting. I think Ubisoft has some changes that I think need made, and if Vivendi mm-hmm. goes in and makes those changes, I'll be pretty happy. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, definitely a wild card right now. It could go in either direction to either extreme, I think. It'll be one of, I think it would be probably the biggest hostile takeover in the games industry. In I, I think time, so, too. So it'll yeah. be really interesting to see what happens. Our next topic... Uh, yeah, our next topic uh, I came up with, we're going to talk about fan games. Because uh, uh, mainly, I mean, the ones I'll be talking about are mainly Nintendo fan games. <coughs> um, because Nintendo has a huge tendency to take down fan games recently. There was uh, another Metroid 2 remake, which is the actual title of the game. Pokemon Re- Uranium. Yeah, Pokemon Uranium. There were a bunch of Pokemon games that got taken mm. down, I'm pretty sure. A bunch of smaller ones. And... Um, Kind of, I think we should talk about them ethically, like whether or not we think people should be allowed to make fan games for free mm-hmm. and distribute them, and also like why people make them. Yeah, I mean, Nintendo is certainly within their right to uh, strike down these games, but I think they're they're being foolish because these games are a labor of of love for their IP, and I think they only serve to spread good vibes for their IP. That's just my kind of stance on it. See, I, I kinda, uh, it's when they start selling them, then that's not okay. I kind of disagree because <laughs> I could see like Pokemon Uranium stuff like that existing. If I got my Pokemon fill from that, there's a good chance I wouldn't have bought Sun and Moon. Like if it was good enough. I see. Yeah. If the quality was high enough that I didn't want to buy a mainline Nintendo game anymore, then I wouldn't. Mm. You know, if I could get the same service for free, I would just do that probably. And so I totally see why Nintendo took that down. What I don't see is why they took down another Metroid 2 remake when it's a remake of a game and also it's a, it's a series that they are just not even touching and haven't forever. Perhaps they're secretly developing a remake for Metroid 2. I, I find that we really don't know. unlikely. Retro's been working on something for two, three years. We don't know what I that is. I keep saying it. There's a Metroid game coming. It's <laughs> happening. I, I'm not, I refuse to let myself get excited for that. But, but yeah, it's uh, it's definitely, I've definitely played fan games in the past, and that's an interesting point you bring up. A lot of the fidelity in these fan games are so high. Like, it's almost, it's like Nintendo, but just a few points off, right? Right. So, like, that certainly has the potential to cannibalize sales. Right. And um, I was just talking, um, this isn't Nintendo anymore, this is Sega. Last episode, I talked about Chris Whitehead, who's coming in to make Sonic Mania. Mm-hmm. He started as a Sonic fan game developer. And Sega, uh, you know, actually had a brain on their shoulders and hired him right. because so he was doing a better job than them. That's actually a really good point. Um, w- these fan games can serve as insane resumes, right? Like, right. And I think if I was at Nintendo and saw Pokemon Uranium, I would be like, come on the Pokemon team and actually do this instead of, you know, illegally doing it. I mean, that's how, um, that's actually how Miss Pac-Man happened as mm-hmm. well. Um, it was a bunch of guys and they... Game copyright wasn't so rigid, like, the laws didn't... Right. It hadn't been, like, settled yet. And they were making, basically, a hack that you would put in a Pac-Man machine to make it do different things. And they were going to release that and sell it, and uh, legally nobody could stop them yet. And so they called um, the creators of Pac-Man, and they were like, hey, we're either going to beat you in court or you can hire us. Yeah. So they hired them and made it Miss (laughs) Pac-Man. That's awesome. Namco. It wasn't Namco yet, no. It was Midway. Midway? Midway. Namco made it in Japan. I think Midway made it in the U.S. or something. I know the people they had to call was Midway. Okay. Uh, but you're right. Namco is the owner now. 
yeah. So, um, Jordan and it's Ken, confusing history. you guys have stayed yeah, silent like for it. this topic. Uh, have you guys played any fan games, and what are your thoughts on fan games? Uh, being a, well, I'm a fan of My Little Pony, so the fan base, the, the Brony fan base, have made several fan games that I've seen. A um, couple which are really good, and some have been poor. One of them was called uh, Fighting is Magic, which is like a Street Fighter style. That one got DMCA'd, didn't it? Yes, yeah. it did. My roommate was a brownie last year. There, But the creators are actually releasing it. It's on Steam Greenlight right now. It's called Dumb Fighting Words. They kind of changed the art to not be like copyright. And I've kind of been following that. I don't think it's going to be released anytime soon, though. Yeah, I mean... um. So it kind of sucks that some of that stuff gets DMCA'd, especially, like, when you're taking a medium that isn't in games and making a fan game of that. Because, like, I've, I've had an idea for a Steven Universe fan game kicking around in my head for about six months now, and I haven't started it yet because I don't want to get DMCA'd, especially not by something I love so much, you know. And a lot of developers will make a fan game just because it's, like, you can attach that property to yourself, kind of, and it makes it really easy to get your name out there. And then, oh, no, we got yelled at. And then you switch it out for different assets, and suddenly it's an original game, and like, you have a fan base already. But, yeah, like, also, like, some sometimes they'll, like, change the name of the game. Because there's another one I followed um, in the community. They, it's, it used to be called Fallout Equestria, which is based a Fallout game based on the Pony universe. Um, but, like... It's funny because that concept just sounds so wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, but it's it's topic fan games. But so like Hasbro actually doesn't have Equestria copyright rated, so they could keep that name. But Fallout is, so they changed it, and it's completely legal now. Hmm. So that's so that's like what I was saying. Like everything, all that work they did is still useful. They got to keep their fans, but they kind of, I mean, they kind of swindled that property holder, right? They used their product, you know, without giving them anything to to boost yourself. See, that's the line I think you can't cross. You can't profit from it in any way, right? I think it, right. it needs it's, to be purely a, a labor of love. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to draw the line between a fan game and fan art, you know? Yeah. So, like, would you say... I think, I think the line is, if the quality's at a certain level, it's a fan like product, as opposed to a fan project. Yeah. Uh, okay, sorry, so I cut you off. So would you say it's all right if they made this game, but then distributed it with, for free? See, I think it's totally all right of all these companies to be telling people to stop. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also yeah. think in a lot of cases it's a, a stupid action to take. Because, like, I mean, I think I would be incredibly flattered if somebody wanted to make a fan game of my games, but I don't intend to be making sequels. If I was intending to make sequels, I would not be happy with people potentially doing what I do better than me and doing it for free. Mm-hmm. So I, I totally understand Nintendo's stance. I guess it would make more sense for, like, a game company to stop, like, fans from making their own games than, like, say, like, a TV show company making a fan game of a TV show because they're yeah, not... Yeah, like a, fan, a yeah. fan flick or something, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. For, like, a TV show, and, like, the fans made made their own animations, which they have, and they have been DNC'd, so. Mm. Jordan, do you have anything to say about this? These companies, I, I'm fully against fan games. These companies got to protect their intellectual property. 
And even you, you, there are some great fan games out there, but there's also some really bad ones, and those can hurt their brand and hurt the company's sales. Um, so I think it's not worth the risk um, for them to do that. That you could easily make your own creative game and your own creative characters. But at the same time, I do see the struggle with that. Um, copyright in the U.S. is crazy. Mickey Mouse is still copyrighted, and they made him in like 1920 something. Mm -hmm. um, they keep extending that. That's ridiculous. Um, we're the first generation that can't use the last generation's like culture. And I think that's really damaging to innovation in the creative space. So just in general, there's... Just because the, the, the copyright laws are so strict in this yes, country. Yes, they, they need to make them a little bit more friendly, <clears throat> but they need to be followed. They're for protection of these companies and these brands. I think I fully agree with you, Jordan, there. Yeah, you mentioned that um, bad games can damage the brand. I mean, for most of these fan games, isn't it like explicitly stated that, like, this is what is inspiring this project, and this is not an official product of X yeah. company. Like Minecraft said, they were inspired by Dwarf Fortress. They didn't make Dwarf Fortress too. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? No, I understand. Right. And it's yeah, and it's a weird thing that they said that because those two things are not very similar. Yeah, <laughs> that's just something I thought of. Off the top yeah, of my no, head. you're right. Um, it's, they did say that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a very interesting beast for sure. I think I think fan games, when shared. I think more privately rather than publicly released are okay, but you guys have sort of swayed my opinion. I do think now that it, it's it's for the best interest of all parties if these don't these fan games don't get massive releases. Well, I also want to say these guys making fan games, you can tell their intention right from the beginning. If they announce an incomplete game, they are in it for money. They are in it to get a following. They are in it for personal gain. Mm -hmm. If they finish the game and release it. They did it for love because right. once you've released a finished game on the internet, it's there forever. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. So if they really actually cared about what they were doing and weren't in it for personal gain, then that's what they would be doing. Yeah. So kind of like with Pokemon Uranium, when right? Yeah, the game was yeah, it was done. Yeah, it was done, but Nintendo issued the takedown and it was sort of released illicitly. Yeah, I can absolutely. Yeah, yeah. If I wanted that yeah. game right now, I could still get it. Yeah. No problem. You know, same with another Metroid Two remake. Mm-hmm. Any concluding thoughts, guys? Make your own games. Yeah. <laughs> Make your own games. <laughs> yeah. Game development is my passion. <laughs> yeah, that's sort of a meme around here. Um, all right. I think I'm going to turn it over to Jordan for our final topic, which is the new Nintendo 2DS and a discussion of the 3DS line as a whole. Jordan? So for the 2DS, a lot of people on the internet think that it was a crazy idea since the Switch came out and Nintendo is kind of targeting both the console and the handheld market they previously differentiated between. And this is a quote from Reggie that just came out today talking about why they released the 2DS XL. He says, there's a visual impact difference between these two items and we believe in our market by having these three different variants. The Nintendo 2DS, the original one, really focused on that entry-level gamer, the four, five, six-year-old that's just getting into gaming but wants to play Mario Kart, wants to have a Super Mario Brothers experience, wants to play Pokemon. And we feel the Nintendo 3DS XL at 199 that it's a fully featured product, that it is, if you will, the Cadillac of handheld gaming. Oh, wow. And then we heard from consumers, boy, I wish there was something in between. So the 2DS XL at, I think it's 149.99 is going to be the retail for it. It's in between the Cadillac and the starter model. So my question, these all play the same games, though, right? Yes. Well, so the new no. ones do. Yeah, the new, yeah, the new, the new DS talk, line. He's talking well, about just the We're new all talking line. about the new line, though. Yes. So, so is the difference simply just... So, so why does having 3D make it a Cadillac is my question, I guess. It's a premium feature. I mean... Yeah, I mean, 
I, I use it occasionally. Like, you know, not very often, but, right. like, every once in a while, I want to get really immersed in my Ocarina of Time I want, or my Monster Hunter, you know. But I'll I, turn it on. I, I don't know. I feel like... Like, deep, if I'm at my charger, I, I feel like deep on. down, Nintendo's not even too hot about the idea anymore. Like, Pokemon Sun and Moon were 3DS games. They didn't they didn't have a 3D That's because That's because Game Freak couldn't get the frame rate high enough. Let's be real. That had nothing to do with <laughs> mm. Nintendo not wanting 3D in the game. Yeah, their other titles are still all 3D supported. Yeah. I will say that it's certainly the idea of glasses-free 3D is super cool. And when they first announced the Nintendo 3DS, it was just like, this is impossible. And then when I saw it, I was like, wow, this is really cool. Yeah, and I think 3D gaming is a way better experience than a 3D movie. At okay. least it has been for me. Like I, I, care I think more. I would agree with that. I think 3D movies, like the 3D in the 3D movies, movies I've are seen stupid. are just extraneous and yeah. don't need to be there. So for the the new Nintendo DS line, the 3D is like of a better quality than right. the it, original. It has a face I, tracking. Camera. Yeah, I actually haven't tried it on that. I I, w- I would be interested. In I have a that new out. 3DS. Yeah. I can let you try it sometime. It's, nice. It's a better experience for sure. Yeah. I always even say like the games have gotten better at doing. It. I think play some of the earlier like games for the 3DS, and, like, the, if you turn on the 3D, it looked really terrible, but then some of the later ones, they made it to look, like, way better. Yeah. I mean, as with any uh, piece of hardware, uh, the longer it's on the market, the better the developers can uh, create content for it and extract power from it. Right, and I think, um, I, would, I wouldn't fault anybody, like, I wouldn't fault Nintendo for releasing the, um, the new 2DS XL, like, because they've done this before. They did it with the DSi. Like, yeah, they, they just they right, have at, so many iterations for their handheld. At the very end of a console's lifetime, they'll release an iteration, and they just they've always done it. It seems like mm-hmm. like they did the Game Boy Micro. They did, and it's just yeah. it's good business. They make money on it every time. Mm-hmm. They and, still they still have a strong lineup coming up this year. Yeah, I mean, and if anybody, it's just it's a good looking device too. I mean, I thought I thought it looked sleek. Mm-hmm. You know, if I what was the price on it again? One forty nine. Yeah, well, that's a good price. Yeah, and like. The DS has a really good lineup of games. It certainly does, yeah. Or the yeah. 3DS, sorry. Yeah, it has a good back catalog right now. And it also right has, it can play DS games. And they're know? still fully supporting it. There's more, I think, games coming out <laughs> Nintendo has announced for the 3DS than for the Switch. Right. There's Metopia yeah. is coming out. There's So actually, that's huge. So even new Nintendo 3DSs slash 2DSs can play DS games? Yeah. Yeah. Really? I yeah. thought they took that feature out. No, okay. not that I know of. That's sure. incredible. Yeah, I'm yeah, pretty so, sure I was playing Pokemon Silver. So that's like a you could Silver. only play DS games for your entire life and never run out of things many to play. Games. Yeah. yeah, no, and like the 3DS, I don't know that many people that play regularly, but there's a really good lineup. There's Kirby Robobot. I, like I have a huge back catalog. I've been wanting to get to. Kirby, I, yeah, I, I have a few games as well. Like I, I, um, I never finished. Like I didn't play Animal Crossing much. I just got really busy at some point and didn't finish. Fire Emblem. I've there were a bunch of Fire Emblem yeah. games. This is Bravely Default and Bravely Second. Which I hear are really good JRPGs. Mm-hmm. I think they're JRPGs. Yes, I think so. It it had a good lineup of games that, you know, if you missed them, 2DS XL is a good opportunity. Definitely, to jump in. yeah. I have the original Nintendo 3DS. And then this so, product's probably not for you. Um, no, I I actually wouldn't mind a new Nintendo 2DS or 3DS. I just don't think I could justify spending anything over a hundred dollars on it. I was actually part of the. Do you remember the Ambassador program? the people yeah, who I first bought that, it. Yeah. I was in that. Okay, so I bought, uh, this is a rant here. I bought the new Nintendo new 3DS and it your, did not Your games excel. didn't transfer? My games didn't transfer. I was so oh, upset and I, I sold be... my old DS. Wait, it wipes your memory when you do that transfer thing. So all the old games got wiped off my old one. That's terrible. Yeah, so those are just gone. I'm very mm-hmm. upset. I'm still mad. I hadn't beaten any of them. 
This is why physical games are better than digital ones. This is why Nintendo is terrible at digital distribution and why I'm never going to buy another mm-hmm. Nintendo digital game. Yeah. <laughs> We've spoken about that before. <laughs> Personally, um, I think Nintendo's just going to ride this wave of the 3DS and go as long as they can, but I don't see that line having a successor. I think the Switch is going to combine that for Nintendo. Yeah. And yeah, for I them to focus all their resources on making Switch games, I think, would be a better decision I for think them that's as a company smart. to survive in the current um, economy of the games industry. At the I'm, not, yeah. I'm not convinced, though, for third parties that that's the right play. Because, like, it's... The Nintendo Switch, when you play a game on it, you're expecting a level of graphical fidelity way higher than you expect on the on the 3DS. Mm-hmm. So, like, if I was making a game, there's, yeah, there's my games definitely don't look that good. A distinct, I'm going to be more comfortable. A on distinct the 3DS. line in the sand, right? right? Like, so in five years, when there's a game released on the Switch, you can be like, oh, this was definitely more in line of like a handheld developer right. as opposed to a. Con- That's an interesting notion, which kind of makes me think that. Maybe they'll continue their handheld with like a Switch Mini or something like that. Switch handheld Mini line. is very Maybe. realistic. To sort of just uh, capitalize on the brand name of the Switch because it's been successful. I don't know if that's I, a smart play though. I I don't know if it is either. I just part of me finds the idea of them ending their line of handhelds for like that has been going on for decades it's at this bananas. point. Yeah. Very strange. Like, I can't believe that they'll actually do it, you know? Well, they've been out. Mobile phones have been really hurting their sales as well. Yeah. And they've tried, I mean, they've been trying to get in that space, you know, with Mario Run. And I, think right. th- I don't think, yeah, they've successfully gotten into that space, I think. I know a ton of people who played Mario Run. But who spent money it on it? It didn't make that much money. Yeah. It, did as much as it, they, it, it didn't. didn't make as yeah. much as they forecasted. Yeah. Um, but they're still learning mobile. This is, like, what, their third or second mobile game. Yeah. So it's their third. So I think Animal Crossing was um, a big one. Yes, they're, they're slowly learning that. And I think they're going to get better at that, and that's going to convert more people over to Switch. Like, Pokemon Go converted a lot of people to that new Pokemon game that sold really well. What, Sun, Sun and Moon, Moon yeah. They right. really sold well because of Pokemon Go. Better than the previous Pokemon games. Yeah, it that sold that incredibly well. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, getting, getting, getting back to topic on the 3DS line, I don't know, just sort of like to sort of reflect on it, what were some of your favorite 3DS games? Like, anyone? Monster Hunter 4... Uh, is it Ultimate? I don't even remember. I know it's Monster Hunter 4, and it's uh, it was my first Monster Hunter game, and it was actually uh, my first, like, I bought a new 3DS XL and Monster Hunter on mm-hmm. the same day, and uh, I've got to have, like, 150 hours in that game. It's so oh. much fun. Jordan? I bought it just for Animal Crossing, like, a nice. year ago. I'm, I was late coming to it. I've been a, I've been a fan of the franchise since the Animal GameCube Crossing's one, a good so... Game, yeah, I mean, I don't. I should, there's a lot. There's a huge library that I'm excited. Like I could find these games used and at a good price. Yeah, and there's a lot that I can eventually pick up whenever I have more time to game and stuff. But I got Luigi's Mansion as well, and that was fun. There's definitely a vast library of 3DS games. Which yeah. one's your favorite Animal Crossing game? Uh, you can't put me on the spot like that. Okay, mine's the GameCube <laughs> one. So the GameCube the, one was. There's been some good improvements. I'd have to say. I think I had to go with City Folk. So the 3D, really? the 3DS Animal Crossing was my first Animal Crossing, and I played it for a while, and I just couldn't get into it. Like I enjoyed so it, but it, I wasn't. I enjoyed it, but it didn't addict me like it's addicted so many people that have played it. Objectively, I think New Leaf is the best one. But is that the 3DS one? Yeah. Yeah. But I like the GameCube one the most because like. The towns were more interesting, I think. Like they had yeah. topography three, and stuff. Yeah, three three tiers. The yeah. other ones don't have that. I don't like. Yeah, I don't like. I like the acres in the GameCube one as well. Yeah. The rolling thing is kind of weird. Yeah, I don't like the visual rolling thing that they do. Yeah, it bugs me. What about you, Ken? Um. Well. Um. So I got it to play Pokemon. Really. Uh, then, my answer is the same as yours, then. <laughs> yeah, but 
Mine also came with the Zelda Link to be a Link Between Worlds. Yeah, Link nice. Between Worlds. That yeah. was a good game. I yeah, I hear that's a fantastic game. I also played Kingdom Hearts, Dream Drop Distance, and uh, the Pokemon. Just yeah. Yeah. No. Um. I mean, there's only so many consoles and so many systems that you can devote your attention to, and I certainly acknowledge that the 3DS has great games. I haven't played too many games on there aside from um, Pokemon and Fire Emblem. But um, I'm definitely kind of excited to see how Nintendo handles their handhelds going forward and whether or not they're just going to consolidate with the Switch line. Yeah, there's really, think about it, there's no competitors right now in that space. The Vita's kind of faded out. The Vita's done. And I don't think Sony, I've heard no rumors or anything about Sony looking into doing a successor I will say to the Vita. It, I said it once on the show. I'll say it again. Sony announces a Vita 2 at E3. I will eat my shirt on air. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's gonna happen. It won't. Anyway, it won't. Yeah, I think your your shirt's safe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, well, you, um, Ahmed, you, um, you're more PlayStation, right? Would you say you you have a Vita, don't you? Yes. Would you say you've played the Vita more than the 3DS, because you've mm. more into that ecosystem and the Honestly, <laughs> probably not. Actually. Okay. That's how that's how good the 3DS is as a handle. I I mean. I play the 3DS very rarely, but when I play it, I play it. Like, mm-hmm. like I'm glued to that thing when I'm into it. Can't really say the same for the Vita. The only instance I can say where I was glued to my Vita was when I played Persona 4 Golden, and I was just I, yeah, I was so into that game. But as a whole, I would definitely say I've played my 3DS more than my Vita. Me too. Yeah. Um, that's another th- uh, thing I forgot to consider. Um. If they really do consolidate with the Switch, we lose the two-screen Nintendo handheld that's been such a staple for a long time, you know? Like, with the touchscreen at the bottom? I'm okay with that. Consumers don't want two screens. Look at the Wii U. Okay, you can't I make don't think that. That's fair. You can't yeah. make that. Look at the Nintendo DS, you know? know? Like, that's a ridiculous statement to make. The, yeah, the Wii U just N- didn't Consumers have don't games. want two screens. Wii U didn't have good games? No. Are you kidding me? I'm, I'm <laughs> I think cons- like- consumers don't want two screens that serve no purpose. Right. You know, two screens just for the sake of having two screens. You don't need two screens. You can only focus on one at a time. Yeah, but multiplayer <laughs> games using two screens, like with the Wii U, there was a lot of potential there. Plus, like, no, for the 3DS, I love having, like, menu systems or maps on the bottom screen while I have, like, the action on the top screen. And it's like yeah, a good... I, what we I can really do like to I, I combat that. that is you can use your phones as controllers on a lot of these devices. What if someone doesn't have a smartphone? Yeah. Everybody has a smartphone today. It's 2017. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't want to I, I everybody mean, that, has a that personal was, device in that their was kind of said in, take advantage that of was that. said in jest but like it's, it, it is a thing that dead. you shouldn't just assume I think you my know? battery's dead all the time already yeah. I don't need to it, need that, my phone that to should be built DS. into the device and they're just I think. gonna they're just gonna get better and better every year battery life it has improved a little bit I mean barely it has a little the lithium-ion battery technology hasn't changed a whole lot um I something else came to mind the other half of it is just the management of the software on these phones it's more efficient and Um, it's not running in the background sorry um, getting back to the 3DS I was just gonna say what I really like what they did uh, I did I like what they did with the the face plates right so you could customize you could customize your 3ds however you wanted and plus they released so many different like limited edition 3ds's they so like i was i was this close to buying a new 3ds for the um the zelda one the zelda 3ds that they released it just looked gorgeous they promised me they weren't releasing that in america (laughs) and i bought a new 3ds xl (laughs) six months later lo and behold yeah oh i'm still mad 
Yeah. Oh. Was it the Link Between Past one? I yeah, I think oh, that was the Link one. Between Past, Link Between Worlds one. Because like that's the I, one that I have. I hate my new 3ds XL because it's too big. I wanted the tiny, you know, like. See, the, I like big electronics, so I, I would on, definitely want to get one of those. The pixels per inch on that thing is terrible. Like the screen's way too big. Everything just looks way bigger mm. than it should. It doesn't look very good. Yeah. Animal Crossing looked way better on my old 3ds. <laughs> so, I want to see a 3ds, the ultimate 3ds, where like it can it's it can play 3ds game and the old DS games, but also play like the Game Boy games. So I mean, you got the eShop. Oh yeah, I mean. But I don't know how hard would it have been for Nintendo really to include a Game Boy slot at the bottom of the machine like they did with the original Nintendo DS. I mean, I have no idea. I don't know how exactly I, I, they did it. I on feel the like DS. they only did it so they could charge for those games. They're, they're no longer later. producing Game Boy Advance games. They're not making as much money. It would make more sense. What they're doing with the digital is a lot more. No, it, it makes sense, more sense. It makes yeah, a lot yeah, absolutely. Sense. It'd just be nice for us. I, now, there's, you know? there's those um, unlicensed retro consoles that have all these ports. That would be cool if one of them created yeah. a handheld that can play all these games. What's the legality of those? Like? <laughs> Questionable. Okay. <laughs> for sure. You guys have any concluding thoughts on the 3DS line or the new Nintendo 2DS? It's a good line. Yeah, it's got a great li- uh, lineup of games, and it's probably the best handheld you can get. Best since the Virtual Boy. Yeah. As with every show, we end off talking about the games we are playing or games that we recommend. I've got one. All right, Connor, why don't you start us out? Okay, um, I, so I don't, I lied. I haven't played any games this week. Um, but, um, uh, I'm gonna jump back to one in middle school I played all the time. It's a game called Mobby Nogi. Uh, any of you guys ever heard of it? Oh, by, uh, Nexon? Yeah. I'm judging you a lot right now, uh, but okay. I was, I was beyond addicted to this game. All I don't, right, if, I don't, I don't okay. touch this stuff now. If that's the route we're going with this one, I got a game. Okay. All right, all right, yeah, let's that's, get, that's okay. just the, that's the path I've decided. Okay. So, um, Mobby Nogi was an MMORPG. Uh, published by Nexon, made by DevCat, I think they were called. And it was this game that, like, it almost set out to do, like, a full fantasy life simulator kind of thing. Like, it had... I mean, I think RuneScape did a lot of the same stuff, but I thought Mabinogi did it better. You could, like, cook, you could build your own armor, and the armor that players could build was inherently better than the armor you could buy in the game. Mm -hmm. So, like, the player-driven economy was huge because of stuff like that. Right. You could enchant stuff yourself. It was all... Like, really, once you got good at the game, you didn't talk to NPCs very much. The entire game was run, other than questing and stuff, and story, was run by players. And it was really cool. It had a huge PvP community. And, like, it it just, it really got into details. Like, you actually had to go to school. Like, an in-game day was, like, ten minutes, I think. And you actually had to go to school every day for a week to learn magic. Something like that. Like, real... Oh, no, okay. Like, so in-game okay, I gotcha, I gotcha. So, like, you would go to school, try to get through it real quick, and then go do something else. But if you were late coming back or something, your teacher would get really angry and, like, make you start over. Stuff like that. That's pretty silly. Yeah, I, I loved it. It enthralled middle school me. And, like, I don't know, it had, like, most MMOs, you'd, like, just double-click and wait for combat to happen. Right. Mobby Nogi had this, like, all the skills had cooldowns and stuff, and it almost had a combo system you had to do. And you had to learn it. And it, it made the PvP really, like, rich and stuff. Because, like, you would get stunlocked and stuff, and you would stunlock other people. Mm-hmm. And there were, like, hidden skills. Like, you could watch an enemy do a skill enough times, and you could learn it. So all the enemies and all the players... That's were, a really cool mechanic. They were pulling from the same skill base. So I remember one time I was just wandering around with some friends, and I got attacked by wolves really early in the game, and that was how I learned counterattack. <laughs> was because I got attacked by a bunch of wolves using yeah. a skill I didn't understand. Huh. 
And, like, if you don't know a skill and you see an enemy use it, you can't tell. Like, a little bubble appears above them to tell you what it is, but it's just a question mark if you don't know what the skill is yet. And they also had a system where, like, you could set your level back to um, one every two weeks. So, like, you would level up to level 50, keep your skill points and stuff, but you would set your attributes back and, like, start fresh so that you didn't, like, reach a max level ever. So I had friends that were level 10,000. So <laughs> that's insane. It sounds like a pretty robust MMO, yeah, though. Yeah, I was so into it. Yeah, that's uh, those MMOs can get you like that. Yeah, I, I think was... I'll, I'll, be, I'll go next. Um, <laughs> I'll follow that one up with the greatest shame of my life. <laughs> Maple Story. Oh my God! Yeah, I um, that oh my too. God! I love that game. <laughs> I I secretly I secretly still love that game, yeah, even though too. I don't play it. But um, the music. so Maple Story, um, it's a two D um MMORPG where um the whole gimmick is you can pick like one of four or five jobs. So these jobs can be warrior, magician, thief, pirate, or bowman. They really expanded on it. <laughs> yeah, and there and there are um, subclasses within these jobs and like different like hero versions of the jobs or like dark versions of the jobs or whatever but you level up and it's it's essentially just a game about seeing bigger numbers on the screen when it really boils down to it yeah it's so grindy. it just strokes your ego uh, i mean like so the entire purpose of the game is to get better equipment so you can kill monsters more effectively like with more damage yeah. so you can level up faster so that you could kill, so you could kill more, yeah. So you could get better equipment, <laughs> and it's just like this disgusting loop. Yeah. But for some reason, it just had this charm to it that, like, late middle school and even like early high school, and I even oh. tr- I played it a couple times in college. Yeah, me too. Um, it's the music, man. I swear. It, it just, is. it just, it has like such charming, cute music that yeah. just kind of like it's addictive. You I know, like, it like gets yeah. in you, and the art style is very like pleasing to look at. And it's got, like, a huge community around it. It um, had a really kid-friendly community. I remember when I was little, like, <clears throat> I had so many friends on there. Like, yeah, I mean, and it's got, like, a pretty robust guild system, too. There are, like, groups of friends that just get on to hang out or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I played this before I got into Mabinogi. Yeah. Um, the series um, has been around for a long time. Like, oh, yeah, it was, like, a kid, 2008 I, or something. Yeah, no, it's been... it's Yeah, so it's, like, over 10 years old now. That's yeah. crazy. I think it had a pretty good international community, too, because I'll be in China, and I watch my sister play this game, and then finally getting computer, I play that game. Just I mean, the art amazing. style of that game, like, considering the art style of that game, that's not surprising. It's very kind of, like... Uh, chibi Japanese anime, anime yeah. like it, it, it's it, it's it's got that sort of style to it, but just like the gameplay and the setting, it's from two thousand three. No way. Yeah. My goodness. Okay. It yeah. Aged no, no. Well. <laughs> yeah, it has. I mean, it still looks good. Yeah, it, it looks great. I mean, that sort of art style never really depreciates, but. I don't know. I really enjoyed it. It's still getting updates. As a kid, I've lost disgusting amounts of time to that game. Like me too. I more than I will ever admit. I have a, and it, it's a very addictive game too. Like I, I will say that they, uh, as released, a warning. It's on Steam now, and I've refused to download it through Steam because I don't want to know. Yeah, no, 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 no. I don't need to know. Like how you long don't. It, it's it. like you know, it was good while it lasted, but you never want to touch that again. Yeah, <laughs> is my ki- kind of current stance on it. Like, I have a, okay, no, I'm not naming any names here, but I had a friend who got so addicted to the game in, like, I think early high school or something. He actually, like, stole his parents' credit card and, like, used it to spend, like, um, he purchased, like, a $200 hacked in-game item, which later got erased by mods. So he just, like, <laughs> threw $200 that he didn't even own down the toilet. That's rough. And, like, and he legit, like, couldn't help himself just because he was so addicted to the game. So, like... 
Yeah, it it has a real it, Skinner it, box it's got, thing. Yeah, going it's on. got a very yeah. It's it's. I mean, it's, it's absolutely got, just a Skinner box. Yeah, devious undertones there, but yeah, definitely enjoyed it in my younger days. Still enjoy it. Now I would once not. A year, yeah, so, I, I, but don't. Would I recommend anybody. it? No, don't play it. But <laughs> I'd but, recommend. Mommy but Nogi. give it a look. But give it a look. Um. All right, Ken. What about you? Um. Well, I. Uh, you guys talked about a lot about um, uh, Animal Crossing, but I like Harvest Moon series. That was a series I played a lot as a kid, and still even still play now. Which was, one's your favorite? Um, I've only ever played the Game Boy Color one, the Game Boy one, and the DS one. Uh, Which the fir- DS one? The first DS one. Was it like Harvest Moon yeah, DS? Yeah, Harvest okay. Moon DS. I would say Harvest Moon DS is my favorite. Uh, yeah, just, it's my favorite. It, it, like, it has, just because it has more content as the older games, but I always like remembered fondly of the older games, but I guess I just I like the, the DS one more. I recommend that game if you're into like the farming like simulator. Farming thing. sim, yeah. So is is I I've definitely heard of Harvest Moon, but I've never played it. Is that all there is to the game, or um, like are so, there RPG elements or something? So it has like these harvest sprites um, element in the game. There's like these little fairy elves, and you're supposed to like rescue them. Well, in DS anyways, yeah, um, by doing different tasks. They're kind of like achievements. So every time, say, oh, you're what? So like. <clears throat> The sprites have different teams, like watering team, harvest team, stuff like that. So say if you want to unlock one for the watering team, you have to, like, water ten plants. That would be, like, the first guy. Gotcha. Overall goal, you're supposed to save the harvest goddess and then get married. Can't you marry the harvest goddess? Yes, you can. You have bachelorettes that you can go after. That's another little, like, objective in the game you can do. Um, And you can marry the harvest goddess, too. So it's more than just a farming sim. It's got all these side objectives to keep you engaged. Yeah, mining to upgrade your tools, fishing, um, earning profits. So, <laughs> I mean, Stardew Valley was inspired by this game, yes. correct? Right. Yeah. No, it, it sounds like something I could be interested in. It's just Animal Crossing for some reason never clicked with me. Uh, well, Harvest Moon has an objective. Animal Crossing does not. Mm. So yeah, maybe that's what. That's I a pretty big difference. Yeah. Um, Jordan. It, 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 Sorry. You could argue that Animal Crossing has an objective as well, pay off all your debt. Yeah, but like you can do that. If is that even possible? That can you yeah. pay off yeah. all your debt? Okay. And if you're trying, you I've can, just seen the memes online. You can pay stuff. off your entire debt in a week in Animal Crossing. Like it's not hard if you if you like want to min max everything. In but I think it makes the game boring. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, I, I, I mean, yeah. There's, I, I read, I read. Um, you can make a hundred thousand bells in like two 30 or three minutes. weeks ago. I think it was the GameCube one. There's people that speed run it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm excited to see that actually. <laughs> paying off all the loan. That would be cool. That be in <laughs> Harvest Moon. <laughs> just the payoff. Like, you just bought a farm on accident. <laughs> Why don't you round us off, Jordan? So I don't know if I'm saying this right, but it's a Steam game that's free. It's called Doctor Langskov. The Tiger and the Terribly Cursed Emerald, a whirlwind heist. And um, it's made by the co-creator of um, the Stanley Parable, the re-released one. Oh, I'm suddenly way more interested. I believe is his name. And so you control, you're this player in first person, and you're behind the scenes of an actual other video game that's happening, and you're, like, pulling levers and stuff and making things happen in the game for this other player. And then the uh, the narrator is like a narrator that's telling you what to do, and he, he promises that you'll get to play the game after you do all this stuff. And I don't <laughs> want to give away too much, but it's a great game, you all. Should yeah, say that's that yeah, it's free. It's it's really quick, sad. It's, it's really quick, but they could have. Um, that definitely sounds like something that game. would come out of the next quick game. Experience. Like, it makes sense after Stanley Parable that yeah. this is something it's they great. would do. And then he also did um, 
after this, I think it's called the accounting accounting VR or something. I don't know. You you follow VR more than I do, Image, but budget cuts. It's not. No, it's like accounting simulator VR or something, but it, it's not about accounting at all. It's the same kind of thing. It's a crazy experience. You should try that as well. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. What was it? Can you say the name of the game one more time, please, for the audience? Doctor Langskov. Langskov. Yeah. Doctor Langskov, the Tiger and the Terribly Cursed Emerald, a Whirlwind Heist. Great title. Yeah. Practically, you know, a novel, but great title. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for listening, as always, and thank you, Connor, Jordan, and Ken, for joining me this week. Um, that'll do it. See you guys later. Bye.